Hello guys, welcome to another episode of my podcast. I'm excited to be back with you all. I've decided to start a new season of my podcast, but after this, I'll just be releasing episodes without really breaking them up into seasons. So today's episode is the start of something new. I'm currently doing a book study on a book called Follow the Lead by Stan Gleason. And this book touches on the topic of discipleship and reproducing yourself in someone else. It's about investing the life that you have into someone else so that your knowledge of God, your experiences and your anointing don't die with you. And Brother Gleason made a sobering statement in this book. He stated that most people live like they're never going to die. And they never reproduce themselves in someone else. I mean, of course, this is this is paraphrased, but I'm sure you get the idea. Jesus had disciples that he reproduced himself in because he knew that his time was short on earth. He had a mission and the disciples were supposed to watch, learn and apply all that they had seen Jesus do. He even told them that they would go on to do greater things than he did because he was being taken away from them. But I would say personally that my favorite, most like, you know, the one that I the example that I love the most of this concept of discipleship is when Elijah cast his mantle over Elisha. He invited him into a discipleship relationship. And I discussed this earlier this week with some friends of mine, like many of us have never had that happen to us. Yes, we've been expected and commissioned to make disciples, but yet no one has made the effort to cast their mantle over us. And take us by the hand and teach us what this discipleship thing is all about. It's almost as if no one is willing to reproduce themselves in this generation. Like we're expected to carry on the message without the knowledge needed to do so. Like there's a big fear from generations before us that this faith could be lost in this generation. Yet no one seems willing to teach us what it takes to persevere and hold on to what our elders fought so hard to obtain in prayer and fasting and just hard work. And bro Gleason, he also posed the question that if we aren't making disciples, can we really call ourselves disciples of Jesus? So I asked the question, with knowing all this and knowing what could happen to a generation that loses their grip on God and the things he requires of us, why are the mentors so short in supply? Where is the mantle of Elijah? I must say that the story of Elijah casting his mantle over Elisha has to be one of the greatest examples of the disciple-maker-disciple relationship besides that of Jesus and his disciples. And I say this because if you look at the story of Elijah and you look at what had taken place before he gets to this point where he has now anointed Elisha basically to be his, his successor, as he has cast his mantle over Elisha and invited him into a discipleship relationship, he has just come from Mount Carmel and he's facing the prophets of Baal. He has basically just exposed their God for who he really is. And he's killed these false prophets. And he has made a mockery of, of their God. And Queen Jezebel has made a threat on his life. And she promised that if something didn't happen to her, she would have Elijah's life. She would she would she would seek him out and kill him because of his stand he had taken for God. So here Elijah is. He's running. He, he's he's hiding. He's fearful for his life because he knows that 
his time is now short that he has now basically crossed the line with 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 his enemies with the people that really don't want to see him take a stand for God and he's he's questioning he's like what is going to happen once I'm gone who's going to carry this this message on who's going to walk in this anointing that I have because if you look at Elijah's conversation when he was in the, in, in his place of hiding he began to ask God you know basically tell him like I'm the only one left that is serving you that is following you that is that is heeding the call of God that is it that is holding on to your commands holding on to your statutes who's going to step in this place in, in my role and and the anointing that you've given me that you placed in my life who's going to carry that on once I'm long gone because I've now just made a stand against a powerful person in in this kingdom and now they want my life they want me dead and after being been instructed to you know take food for himself because the journey is too long and and that he has he has more to do God instructs him to go find a king and anoint him and then go find a prophet by the name of Elijah that would, would stand in his place after Elijah is gone. And this is the part that really, really began to speak to me, because if you look at it, it's it's really insightful and it's really um, an example, an indication of the kind of relationship, the kind of cycle that God wants his people to continue in. Because if you look at it, for example, look at the life of Moses. When Moses found out that he was not going to lead the people into the promised land himself, he knew that he had to find somebody to train up, to to teach, so that when he's long gone, when he's not able to lead the people where they need to go, when he's no longer able to take these steps with them, that he has to have someone that can come in his place and carry on the same spirit, the same meekness, the same uh, attitude towards the things of God, towards the assignment that is placed on his life. So Moses goes to find a Joshua that he can train up. Elijah goes to find an Elisha. Jesus goes to find all of his disciples, and he lets them know that my time here on earth is short. I have one mission, and then after I'm gone, after I've completed what I'm supposed to do, you're going to go on to do greater things than I've done, but you have to learn, you have to be taught, you have to allow me to teach you, to show you that you have more power, you have more potential, you have more um, anointing and expectation over your life than you really know. But they had to be invited into that discipleship relationship. And this is something that we don't really see today. We don't see it in the generation we're living in. We don't see it in the time we're living in. It's not very prominent um as far as i can see as far as i've 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 experienced and I, as i explained earlier there there has not been many individuals many older individuals who have found young people and taken them by the hand and said this is how you continue to live this life this is how you walk in the anointing that god has placed on your life this is how you carry on the good news this is how you carry on the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. This is how you make an impact in the generation that you're living in. There hasn't been many people that have done that. Don't get me wrong. There have been elders and people that have have given us an example of how or, or at least shown us that it can be done. 
But there have not been many people that have took the initiative to grab someone by the hand and say, I know that at some point I'm going home to be with Jesus, to be with my Lord. But before I go, before my life on earth has ended, I need to pass something on to you that's going to sustain you, that's going to help you find your way. It's going to help you continue to live a life before God that is pleasing to him. There have not been many people that have taken that initiative. And that's really what I want to I want to touch on today. And I found myself at a spot where I got frustrated. I got upset because I'm like, God, we're trying our best as this generation to really make a stand and, and, and let this world know that there is a God that loves them. And refusing to blur the lines between the carnal and the spiritual, the, 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 the holy and the unholy. We've tried to maintain that separation. But there's only so much that we know. There's only so much that we can do. There's only so much that we've been taught. And that's no that's no excuse of 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 why for for why we haven't, you know, made disciples. There's no excuse for why we have not lived a life pleasing to God. There's no excuse for any of that. But the fact still remains that if there's not a good example of this discipleship relationship being presented to us, there's no way that we're going to know how to do this. There's no way we're going to know how to carry this on. There's no way we're going to know how to persevere. We can get to a certain point on our own. We can get to a certain point with that, with, with just the help of God. And don't get me wrong, God can take us to many new heights that we've never seen before, but we still have to have someone that has had the experience of the older generations that can let us know what and what not to do, how we should go about certain things. It's very important because when you break it down and you look at it, this generation has to be able to stand on the shoulders of the the, the generation that came, came before us, the pillars of this faith, and be able to see far beyond what they could see here and now. To be able to look and peer over the edge and say, God, there is promise that you have for us. There is something that you're trying to get us to. There is a revival that we're supposed to be reaching for. But we can only reach a certain point when we don't have people that are right there with us saying that I believe in you. I know you can do this, but not only do I believe in you and not only do I expect this of you, the certain thing of you, but I will humble myself enough to let you learn from me. And I also learn from you, learn that there is going to be a new look to the same principles. There's going to be a new way of doing what has always been done. It may look a little different. It may sound a little different. It may feel just a little bit different. But as long as the same spirit is behind it, as long as God is in the equation, I'm going to support you. I'm going to push you forward. I'm going to I'm going to continue to encourage you to do what you feel God is leading you to do. But I'm going to show you how we got to where we are, how we got to this place where now we've had these experiences with God and we're still holding on to this faith. We're not letting anything snatch us out of this faith. And that's what we need. We because I've seen so many so many young people that have been snatched out of the church. They have been snatched out of 
what they feel was their call from God because they had no one to come alongside them and encourage them and to give them hope and continue to let them know that you're doing the right thing. You have potential. You're able to do this. You can continue to push forward no matter what comes your way. Because that's what that's what Jesus did. When things happened that tested the disciples' faith and got them to the point to where they felt like they could not continue on, Jesus set the example for them to let them know that if I can do it, although I'm God, I'm, I have still placed myself under limitations as a human to show you that it can be done. I'm going to pro- provide the example for you so you can know that once I'm gone, You can do the same thing, but not only are you going to do the same things, you're going to do greater than I ever did. We need that in this generation. We need someone standing behind us saying, you can do this. Someone uh, giving an example of how to live, leading by example, leading by example on how to pray, how to fast, how how to have a relationship with God that lasts, how to have discipline, how to maintain our focus on, on eternity, our focus on Jesus, our, our focus on souls. But there hasn't been many people that have done that. There have not been many people that have taken that initiative. And this is not a, this is not a message of con- condemn- condemnation or anything. I'm just really being transparent. Because the only way we're going to see revival, the only way we're going to see what God has promised is if we take the initiative to do what we know needs to be done. And it's very, very, very important. But there's been one problem that I have found. And that is not many people have faith in this generation. Not many people have faith in what we can do. Not many people have wanted to give us the opportunity to operate and to move forward and to to um, put ourselves to work in the kingdom. Many people have given up on us because they've seen the evils of this world in our generation. They've seen what has taken place and they've kind of expected us to go the same way. Although we are in church, although we are in the body of Christ and we're striving to live a godly life, there's still a a fear that is hanging over the older generations that says, we're kind of scared to pass this on. We're kind of scared to see what the younger generation is going to do. And I've heard so many times that this all could be lost in just one generation. The culture, the, 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 the discipline, the prayer, the fasting, all this could be lost in one generation. The consecration, it could all be lost in just one generation. But my question is, will it be lost faster with people mentoring us? Or will it be lost faster with no one to mentor us or no one to grab us by the hand and say, this is how you do it? Because I strongly believe if there were more people that would simply say, I believe in you. And would do all that they can to see a young person stay in the faith and see a young person serving God, 
see a young person using their gifts and their talents for the glory of God and not being fearful, fearful of what looks different or what feels different. I feel like there would be more people that would have a hard time just walking away, walking away from the faith, walking, walking away from what they have worked so hard to build up, walking away from the, their relationship that took so many years to start, took so many years to, to, to strengthen. I feel like it would be very difficult. Not saying that it wouldn't be possible, but it would be very difficult and it would be much easier to pass on the things of God to the next generation. You know, I truly feel as if the lack of faith and trust in our generation and our gifts and talents and abilities that God has given us, I feel like the lack of trust and faith in that has really been one of the main contributors to low self-esteem and um, insecurities when it comes to the call of God in our lives. The reason why we often keep second guessing, you know, what God has asked us to do when we are prone to quickly give up because it feels as if no one has faith in us. It feels like no one feels as if we're worth the effort and worth the time to invest in. And, you know, that may not be the case at all, but I'm being transparent. That's what it feels like. It feels like, it feels like there are things that are expected of us, but there's no avenue to be able to do those things. Like, we're expected to... You know, we've been commissioned to go and make disciples. But if no one has given us the example of how to do so, or no one has done that for us, how do we know what to do? How do we know what it looks like? And that's no excuse because we, at the end of the day, we're all commissioned to go and make disciples, teaching people and baptizing them and, and praying for them and being witnesses for Jesus Christ. But there's a part that falls on us. There's a part that we have to play, both the older and the younger generation. The older generation has to have enough faith in us to be willing to invest in us. And then the younger generation has to be willing to listen. But the thing is, we haven't felt that we're able to trust those who are supposed to be leading us. Because it's like when we give our insecurities, when we give our, our fears and our and our things, and we're transparent about those things, it's almost as they're they're like thrown back at us as a way of saying that there's no reason you should be this way. There's no reason you should be so willing to give up what you've what God has worked so hard to do for you. And that's not the case at all, because a lot of us, we're, we're, we're grateful for where God has brought us from. We are we are thankful that we're not in that life anymore. We're, we're thankful that God has delivered us from the things that he's delivered us from. And we're excited about the things of God. But we have no example of how to apply what we've been taught. We've been trained and equipped and preached to about how much God is going to do in this generation. And we've left conventions and, and, and things Fired up, ready to do things for God. But it slowly drifts and it slowly goes away because there's no application of what has been taught. And it, it falls on us, but it also falls on those leading us. Because we have to be able to see 
how to apply these things before we can go out and do it. Because that's that's a lot of the time why a lot of us fall. A lot of our a lot why you see a lot of young people fall, and a lot of young people give up so easy, because it's like I've tried to do this, I've tried to give my all to this, and it failed. So I would much rather go to where I used to be, what's familiar to me, what feels good, what what feels like it's going to bring more success and more more stability to my life. I would much rather do that. Than to be around individuals that don't have enough faith in me to invest in my life. Because I've I've been there. I've done that. I've said that. I've thought that. And I've questioned and I've, I've asked God, like, what is it about me that's so bad? Why do I have to fight so hard? Why is it that I have to beg and plead just for a chance? Just for a chance to show the world that I can glorify you with the gifts and talents that you've given me, with the things that you've placed in my life to benefit other people, to serve other people. What is it about me? What is it that that, that makes people so fearful to just... Let you work through me. Like, what is it? And that's the question that a lot of us have been asking for quite some time. But we've been we've been told that, oh, you uh, this generation, they stay on the phones too much. They're always on social media. They're, um, you know, they're they're godless. They're basically atheistic in their thinking they have no willingness to to consecrate themselves. They they don't pray enough. They don't fast enough. They don't do this and they don't do that. You need to do more of this. You need to do more of that. And I've heard you know that so many times. And I and I pose the question, or I I rather pose the statement. I, I put the statement out there. Attitude towards something usually reflects leadership. It reflects what has been seen, what has been uh, exemplified, what has been placed in front of us for us to um, to see as an example of what to do and what not to do. And I honor all those that have come before us. I honor those who have stood firm in the faith because we need our elders. We need you. We need your strength. We need your prayers. Not just the elders, but even those that are just like a few years older or, or just simply one generation above us. We need your experience. We need your help. We need your encouragement. We need you to have faith in us because we cannot do this by ourselves. We need you. And to my generation, I will say this. Do not give up on what these our pillars of faith have Fought so hard to maintain, to, to, to grab a hold of. Don't give up on those consecrations. Don't give up on our separation. Don't give up on the things that set us apart as the people of God. And that's just not about how you look, but it's about how you act, how you love, how you spread the gospel to people. But we have to have an example of how to be a disciple and how to make a disciple from those that come 
before us. That's the only way that is going to be done. Because I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest. We've been left with a legacy that has not necessarily been all godly. We've we're, we're coming behind um you know a legacy that has been left left behind that we're we're hateful and that we're mean and that you know Christians don't care and Christians want to call everything sin and Christians want to do this and Christians want to do that it's just it's a Christian bashing culture because people have been they're they're basically they're hurt they've been hurt so much and we're left to try to figure out how to pick up the pieces of people's mistakes and that's not condemn, condemnation on anyone. It's just being transparent that we've been left to figure out what to do without ever knowing how to do it. We've been introduced to to God. We've been introduced to how to pray. We've been introduced to, you know, baptism and, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And we've been introduced to all this stuff. But it's like once we get that birth certificate, oh, you've been born again. Now you're left by yourself to figure it out. And then once it's time for us to begin to operate in our gifts and callings, we don't know how to use them. We have weapons in our hands that we haven't even been trained to use. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Yet and still, we have spiritual weapons and we're still trying to use them in a carnal way because we don't know how to operate in our gifts. We don't know how to operate in our calling. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to how to how to go talk to a person about God. Yes, you know, we can we can go talk to a person. We can go make a friend, but we need to know how to be wise and to not sow the wrong seeds in the wrong season or sow the right seeds in the wrong season. And we may mean well, but if we have not been given the example of how to do it, we don't know how. We need you. We need your strength. We need you to believe in us because we have more to offer. We don't just want to walk away. We don't just want to say we give up on this, but it, it gets it gets it's it gets very hard. To continue to move for it gets very hard to feel like, you know, you know, we easily feel like, what's the point? Why do I even try? There's so much creativity and potential that has been thrown down the drain. All because there has been no faith. In what we are able to do with God. Not by ourselves. Not just what we can do in our own strength, but with God. Because there's so many young people that when they when they are let loose and they're moving and flowing in the power of God, they are powerful people. But we need to know how to be wise and still operate in the calling of God. We need to know how to not long for the things of the world. We need to know what it takes to persevere, what it takes to go through persecution, what it takes to have a have a discipline in our lives, have have disciplines that we don't compromise on, have standards for our life that we don't compromise on because the world is offering so much. The world is op offering 
um, so much opportunity. It's offering um, investment into, you know, gifts and talents and things like that. It's offering all those things and it's temporary, but it, 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 it's tempting. It's snatching. It's snatching our young people, pulling, pulling them away. And there's so many hurts and pains that have not been talked about and discussed that it's like it's time because if we're going to see anything come to pass, like we want to see, there has to be a coming together and a understanding that one generation cannot do this without the other. We need each other. We're supposed to be standing on the shoulders of giants peering over to the promise, ready to take this generation into the promise. Because who's no, who knows, this generation, there could be the next Moses. There could be the next Elisha. There could be the next Elijah. There could be the next whoever. Like, but we need someone to have faith in us and know that we can do it. Now, on the topic of discipleship, I feel like this is something that has to be discussed and really reevaluated because we've been commissioned to go and make disciples. Jesus has let us know we are to go and make disciples. Go share the good news of my resurrection, of my death, burial and resurrection, and let people know that I have provided a way for them to have a relationship with me. I have forgiven them of their sins. Go let people know that there is now a way for them to be reconciled to me. And I have made that happen. But yet and still, we have not been taught how to do so. We know what it what it is. We've heard of it. We're trying to do it. But we haven't been taught how to do it. But one thing we have been taught is how to pick and choose which fish we're going to bring in. We've 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 learned how to pick and choose what people we think are worthy to even be one. And I I won't even say win because that's a bad terminology for when it when it comes to souls. We have been we have been taught what type of people are worthy to be invested in in order to see them grow into a mature believer in Christ. When you look when you look at, you know, for example, when Jesus told the disciples to cast out their net on the right side of the ship and that they would bring fish in, he didn't let them know what type of fish that they would bring in. He didn't let them know how the fish would look. He didn't let them know any of that. He just said cast the net out onto the right side of the ship and you're going to bring much in. You say you're ready, right? You say you're hungry. You say you're expecting. You say you want to see revival. This is not the time to pick and choose what type of fish you're going to bring. Just cast your net out. Just do all you can to bring the people in. Do all you can to show the people that you love them, you care. You want to see them succeed. You want to see them grow into a mature Christian. You want to see them have a relationship with God that is not based on what they can do, not based on... Any other thing besides the love of God and the grace and mercy that he has given them to allow them to even make their way to him. 
All I want you to do is just cast your net out there and let let me decide who is who is worth what. When we when we keep that in mind that all souls are valuable to God, all people are valuable to God, we won't continue to pick and choose who we're going to bring in, who we're going to reach out to, because that's setting a bad example for this generation that I have the right to pick and choose who's worthy. I have the right to pick and choose who looks the best, who who sounds the best, who 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 I feel is worthy. When we continue to pick and choose that, we're cutting, we're we're selling ourselves short, and we're failing to fully obey the Great Commission to go and make disciples of all nations, all people, everyone that you could possibly bring in. Go tell them about Jesus, but you have you don't have the right to pick and choose who deserves that. And that's the example we've been given. It's important to live a certain life as a Christian. It's important to have certain consecration. It's, a, it's important to have certain standards for your life. When you grow and continue to grow into a mature believer in Christ. But for those who are just now making their way into this, for those who who still have stuff to learn, show grace, show mercy, allow them to grow into that. Allow them to have a relationship with God that's not based on what other people have to say about them. Because at the end of the day, discipleship is not about simply coming in already perfect. It's about growing into that perfection. And we're not going to be perfect until we see Christ face to face, until we are on the other side and we see Jesus face to face and he brings us into communion with him and he allows us to be changed into a new person. That's when we will reach the state that we've been we've been striving so hard to get to. But in this life, nobody's going to be perfect. There was only one per- person who ever walked this earth that is that was perfect and is perfect. And that's Jesus Christ. He's the model we're looking to to, uh, you know, to reflect. He's the image that we're reflecting, not the image of someone else. But we have to keep that in mind when we are trying to do this discipleship thing. That Jesus has the final say. He determines who is worthy of what. All he asks us to do is to be open and to be willing to invest in people. Because if I can be completely honest, completely transparent. There are young people that I know of, young people that, that I've talked to, young people that that I have have tried to reach out to and including myself that have been introduced to a life in, in Christ and introduced into the born again experience. And then after that, just they're left to figure it out on their own and they're not knowing what to do and they're left confused. They don't know how to hear the voice of God for direction for their life. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to fast. They they don't know how to how to read the word of God. They don't know how to to dissect the word of God and get a clear understanding of what the biblical principles 
are and what the commandments of God are. They don't know how to under they don't know the they don't understand it. And I'm still I'm still learning these things. And the reason has been no one has come beside us and said, this is what this means. This is what the Bible is teaching you right here. And I won't say there's no one, but there's not very many. The laborers are few. You know, there's a harvest out there. There, there There's people ready to come in, but the laborers are few. And there's, there's few laborers that are willing to equip other laborers to come alongside them and do the work. Because we as humans tend to want to take credit and be protective of what we feel like is ours when it all belongs to God in the first place. All souls belong to God. Everything comes from him. Nothing is 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 given to us because of our own our own uh, ability, our own strength. It's all because of God. And he's the one that we should be leaning and depending on and trusting. For this harvest, for for these results. But we have to be learning. We have to always be willing to be students. But we have to have people that are willing to invest in us. Where is the mantle of Elijah? Where are the people that say, oh, I realize that I'm getting to a point in life where it's almost time for me to, you know, it's it's almost it's almost to the point to where I'm 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 not able to do like I always did, or like I used to do. So I have to equip and train someone to one day take my place. And I'm not too prideful to do that. I'm not too protective to do that. And I will have the faith and the trust in the next generation to invest in them because we need it. And if we don't have it, I hate to say it, but there will be more people that will just walk away. Because there's nothing that holds us and keeps us and sustains us. Because we don't, we just don't know how. It's not that we don't want to. It's not that we have no desire. We just don't know how. And we need someone that is going to have faith in us. To the older generations, please be willing to invest. Please be willing to teach someone. Be willing to come alongside someone and grab their hand and say, I'm going to walk with you through this journey called life and have faith in you and trust that you will continue to walk upright. And not to the point to where we feel like we're done, but wait till, you know, God says, okay, now it's time for you to leave them to do what I have commanded them to do. It's time for you to, you know, kind of take your hands off of them and let them go on to do great things. But don't let go until God says that. It's not when we feel like we're done. It's not when we feel like we've done enough. We've got to start following people to the point of maturity and not leaving them in an immature state. Introducing them into the kingdom, but then leaving them to find their own way through the kingdom. Because that's not how that's not how it's supposed to work. We're supposed to be walking hand in hand. Learning from one another, sharpening one another. Not being afraid to to pass on what we have been taught, what we have learned through our experiences of life. Wisdom comes by experience and we have not experienced a whole lot. 
We have not experienced as much as our elders and the generation before us have experienced. Yes, we're experiencing different things, but that does not necessarily mean that we have a lot of wisdom. There are a lot of young people that are very wise beyond their years. But we still need the experience of the elders so that we can know how to walk through the experiences of our own. And then we can know how to invest into the next generation if the Lord tarries. We can know how to continue to keep this going for more and more like years and continue to, to, to give this to other people so that they can continue to carry it on. Like It's supposed to be a constant cycle. But there has to be an investment made at some point. Where is the mantle of Elijah? Where is the mantle of Elijah? 